We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors, we're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining the House Dudes podcast. Today's guest is Jim Oliver, the founder of the wealth coaching company Create Tailwind. Jim founded Create Tailwind in 1988 in Denver, Colorado as a traditional financial planning firm. But after weathering two major corrections on Wall Street, Jim and his team pivoted the company's focus to building wealth beyond Wall Street. With this advantage, Create Tailwind exploded to become a multi-location, nationally recognized firm that has helped thousands of individuals and businesses around the United States create their own wealth and be their own bank. To a great mentor, R. Nelson Nash, um, and I followed him around the country for a couple of years, learning more and more from him. He just passed away last March at 88. But what I learned is that I can invest more in real estate and I can make more money in real estate and buying businesses by controlling the banking function as well. And so people have heard this probably as bank on yourself or infinite banking concept or be becoming your own banker. And a lot of those things are talking about how to get out of debt doing that, how to, um, how to, um, you know, buy your cars, pay your taxes, all that stuff, uh, maybe save for college. And those are all great, but we're really taking it at a, at a different approach where we're talking about how to build your wealth by controlling the banking function and therefore investing other people's money in real estate, et cetera, and leveraging. Sure. You know, we, we've had that buzzword come up in, you know, we host a local real estate meetup and we've had that buzzword come up quite a bit, the whole infinite banking and being your own banker. Um, can you go into detail a little bit about how that, what you mean by that being your own banker? Sure. So, uh, what I mean is you building your own money pool that you can collateralize guaranteed and you can collateralize it at a hundred percent. And what I mean by that is if you had a million dollars in your banking system, then another entity, another financial institution has to give you a million dollars of their money and they put a lien on your hundred or your million dollars while it's in a tax shelter growing uninterrupted. Okay. So compounding uninterrupted. So now if you think about it, you have your money in a safe environment growing. Now you have another entity's money that you're putting in motion to go buy assets, not instruments, right? Assets mm -hmm. like real estate. When that real estate cash flows, if you cash flow it back to your checking account at a commercial bank, you're doing it wrong. Flow it back into the bank you can control, right? And then as you build up money from that cash flow, what do you do? You do it again, and mm -hmm. you do it again, and you do it again. And, you know, I, I like to think that you have to understand the very basic transaction in a bank. A bank has a depositor that comes down and deposits money at their bank, right? Mm -hmm. And by the way, when they do that, it's a liability to the bank. They have to do something with that money immediately because it's, you know, they have to pay for the bank, they have to pay for the employees, everything else. Now we're trained to think of a deposit as an asset, but it's a liability to the bank. But how do they make it an asset? They loan that money out. 
So they loan that money at a much higher interest than what they're going to pay us. And they can make over 2000% profit margin doing that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But there's three players in the play. And Shakespeare said, if you understand the players in the play, you'll know what's going on. So you have the depositor, the owner of the bank, and the depositor. And infinite banking in a nutshell is just making you all three of those players. And if you're all three of those, Jack, how do you lose money? Right. And how does money leak out of your system? It can't. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You know, like I had mentioned, we, we kind of hear this terminology and, and this concept um, thrown around quite a bit lately over the last couple of years, I would even say. Are, when people are interested in this type of thing and they're talking to a, an advisor or specialist associated with this, what kind of questions should they ask? Because I see, like, let's say Jim Oliver is the one I choose. Um, you become like one of my team members. I mean, it's one of the, it, you're, you're, I mean, it's, it's a strategy session and setting all this up. What questions should a person ask when vetting out or making sure this is the proper fit for them? Um, because I, I'm always a little concerned that some people throw in that term around, I, I don't want to call it snake oil, but there is some misconceptions or some things could be set up incorrectly or, or what have you. Yeah, so uh, that, that's a great question, by the way. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, how long have you been doing infinite banking yourself? To mm -hmm. what level are you doing it? Tell me some of the loans that you've done. Tell me some of the real estate projects. If you're a real estate investor, then that, that practitioner, that infinite banking practitioner should be a real estate investor as well. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you've bought real estate using this. Tell me how you've bought businesses using this. And tell me exactly, you know, um, it, so there are marketers out there on YouTube and, and Facebook that are focusing on the insurance policy. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the money pool. Okay, but right. this is a process. It's not about a product. You could do infinite banking and put your money in a can in your backyard. Okay, but it's not as efficient as using the right kind of insurance contract. But it's not about the insurance contract. It's about your behavior. And it's sure. about your thinking. And, you know, it's funny because Thomas Edison said 5% of the people think, 10% think they think, and the other 85% would rather die than think. Mm -hmm. if, if you can't be open-minded to understanding how the banking function affects you in your life and the problems that it creates, unless you control it, then so, so really quiz them. Tell me about your portfolio. Tell me about how many loans you have out. How many policies do you have? You know, ask them anything. And if they mm -hmm. can't answer those questions directly and confidently and, and even show you some of the things they've bought, um, then, then that's probably not the right person. There's a lot of great people out there that do this. And you just have to find people that are really walking the walk. Sure. No, that's a great response. A great way to, to see it too. Um, so, you know, I'm always interested in this aspect because you mentioned that you were a traditional financial advisor before, before this. Yep. Um, and I've always found that especially, especially that, or, um, there is, I, I the best way to describe it is an indoctrination. You know, you, the, the belief system associated with traditional investing 
And you'd have to have that belief system to the point of, I mean, you're, you're comfortable and you're excited to sell it. What was that process for you like when you changed your mindset and switched over to real estate investing? You noticed these, these uh, people in your life that were becoming successful in, in their investment. Um, you're, there had to have been a pretty significant mindset sh- mindset shift there. Yeah, there there was, and you know the way that I got into financial planning is I grew up very poor in the inner city part of Los Angeles, and in Los Angeles everything is um, very close. So it, I grew up in Inglewood, California, but three or four miles away there are two you know million multi million dollar houses even back then in the mm-hmm. in the sixties and seventies. And there's Manhattan Beach and there's Beverly Hills and there's Palos Verdes and there's, and you're thinking to yourself, what are, what do these people know about money that I don't or that my mm-hmm. family doesn't, right? And um, so I studied money and it seemed like all of the traditional uh, books and articles and magazines said the stock market, the stock market, the stock market. So that's what I got involved in. And, but what I would see is that there's a huge disconnect between actual rate of return and average rate of return. Mm-hmm. And when you get reports from your traditional financial planner or mutual fund or even your 401k, it tells you what you averaged, mm-hmm. right? You've averaged this since you opened this account. This fund has averaged this since the inception of the fund. But average has nothing to do with actual rate of return. Mm-hmm. All of our platforms told us we had about $700 million under management. And all, all of our uh, platforms told us our clients were making a little bit over 9%. Average. Mm-hmm. Actual rate of return after tax, net, 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 was a little bit over 4%. Mm-hmm. Now, our clients think they're doing great. And if you ever felt like this, if you have a 401k, it seems like this thing's only growing by the amount of money that I'm putting into it. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many people say that over the years. So after a couple of corrections, we started to do that math and we started to say, wait a minute, people that own businesses, people that own plastic companies, people that own welding companies and real estate companies, and these people that are business owners and entrepreneurs, they're making money outside of Wall Street really much more significant than the money that that we're making for them inside of Wall Street. So it was that paradigm shift that I said, we got to change. We got to be the the opposite of a financial planning firm. We got to be the wealth creation firm. But there's a catch. Because when you hire somebody to manage your money in a traditional financial planning firm, you hand them a check. Now it's all up to them. You don't Mm -hmm. have to do anything. But in real estate, you have to participate. It's a participatory sport. You got to educate yourself. You got to go to real estate meetups. You got to listen to podcasts like yours. You got to study. You got to educate yourself. You got to take control. And that's how you break out of the herd, right? But a lot of people don't want to do that. Sorry, that was a long answer to a short question. No, No, that's exactly what I was looking for. You know, uh, one, one of those things, you know, um, and I'm going to circle back a little bit on, on one thing is that um, I always, always think, and then 
part of what we talk about and what we do here is try to give like real world examples because I think that's really a great way for people to to follow what we're talking about here. Could you yeah. could you take a moment and and talk about like a recent transaction or how you help set somebody up to acquire their first property or or what have you so they can see how this works and Yep. Yep. So um I'll give you I'll give you one that uh one of our young clients um this guy was a painting contractor and he he started he started to build his infinite banking system, his pool of money. And he wanted to become a real estate investor and he was in Iowa. And I said, look for people, maybe people that are in their sixties and seventies that have real estate portfolios that want to sell them and that they're looking for cash flow. So he found a woman that needed some painting done and he just asked her if she was interested in selling her portfolio. She said she was, and that it was worth about $2 million. Well, after he did some research, he offered her like $1.1 million. They mm -hmm. settled on $1.4 million. So then she wanted 20% down. Mm -hmm. So he borrowed the money out of his insurance contract. And then he used the cash flow from these properties to pay back the insurance contract. Pay, and then, and then uh, she gave him a fixed rate loan for 20 years. So he didn't really work. That was just paid out of the uh, monthly costs. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. He took another loan from his insurance contracts to renovate uh, a few of the properties, which increased the rents, which increased the cash flow. Mm -hmm. And as that cash flow started to come back in, now he was still making enough money as a, as a painting contractor that he didn't need the cash flow from this real estate portfolio. Mm -hmm. So it filled up his policies very quickly. So he borrowed the money again and went and bought a commercial building. So that's one as an example, sure. um, uh, just where he built up his system. Now, by the way, you can get access to the money right away. Like if you put in a big lump sum, you can get access to it right away. But in his case, he built it over a year or two before he started getting into real estate. He, he uh, needed to study the real estate side before he was comfortable uh, pulling the trigger there. Mm-hmm. So, and that's probably going to be pretty common. There's, do you have a lot of people who start this with a, with a large lump like that? It, you know, it's, it's funny. I have people that are putting, um, you know, a few thousand dollars a year in their infinite banking system. And I have people that are putting a few million dollars a year in their banking system. It depends on, it, it just depends on any, everybody. That's why I like the infinite banking concept part of that is because it's infinite. There's, it just, everybody should take over the banking function in their lives, regardless of where you are economically. And it works for everybody. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you're young or older or whatever your background is, it, it works for everybody. So is this money that you uh, pool there, can you um, lend it to other people? Absolutely. One of the things that I do is I lend it to my companies and um, when we have purchase order loans or we um, have just um, um, normal, like pay, I, I've, uh, I've loaned it for payroll, I've loaned it for projects, I've loaned it for expansion, inventory, and um, I charge anywhere between 10 and 30% to my companies when I loan the money out. And when you do that, because that, that, when you just say that, Jack, it scares some people, right? Mm-hmm is but 
just think of it again. You got to think like a banker. So if I said to you, I've got this uh, building over here that's worth a million dollars and I'd like to put it up for or collateral because I need $300,000 of cash and I don't have time to go to the bank or anything else and I'm willing to pay you 12% interest and I'll put up 50% of that building and here's how it's cash flowing and I'll show you all the numbers. You're, you're actually, when you give me the loan, you're hoping that I default because mm -hmm. that's a really good asset to, to own, right? Right, right. Yeah, no, that's interesting, you know, because there's a lot of other self-directed IRAs and a few other uh, avenues that people go down, but there's a lot of uh, restrictions associated with how you handle and, and, and uh, lend that money out. And it doesn't sound like there is as many restrictions. Am I understanding that with this? You are right on. Yeah, absolutely. There are not as many restrictions. And you got to remember, this stuff has been around for 200 years in the United States, over 200 years in the United States, 300 years in Europe. So way before the federal income tax um, uh, came into play in 1913. And, um, you know, the, the problem with self-directed IRAs or qualified plans of any kind is the restrictions and it's a government program right? Mm -hmm. The government can change the rules anytime they want. And here's an example of that. The SECURE Act, which just was a, uh, just passed, it changed how IRAs are passed down to the next generation. And it limited how much, how you could stretch that out in those, in those uh, heirs' lifetime. So now it's much more restrictive when you're passing down a, an IRA. And now a lot of people have spent 20 years or more doing estate planning and planning to pass that IRA down. Now that's blown up hmm. and the government could come in. I mean, 401ks and IRAs, IRAs have only been around since 1974 and 401ks have been around since 1980. So these are not things that have, you know, really been around forever. The government is still in control of that. Well, since you opened that box, yeah. so how does this how does this work then? Like, um, I know understand that this is a whole, basically the vehicle is a whole life insurance policy, right? And yeah. And if you listen to some uh, big name people, you know, I'll, I'll even throw the names out: Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, you know, all of those. They'll, they'll tell you to avoid whole life, but when you think about it seeing it as a pass-through system how does that that's just kind of really changes the mindset associated with what that what that piece is and i like that you mentioned you got to stop thinking thinking of it as an insurance policy but thinking of it as an investment vehicle how does that get passed down to my kids so let's say that the insurance contract is on your life right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and by the way, let me back up just a second, because those financial entertainers like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman, and by the way, that's what they are, is they're entertainers. They're not really trying to educate you. They're trying to entertain you. Um, and, but, and they do a great job of doing that. And, and there's a lot of things that they do for people, helping people with budgets and, and um, don't, don't spend more than you bring in and things like that that are good concepts. But there aren't 12% mutual funds out there over time, like Dave mm -hmm. likes to say. And, and he falls into that traditional financial planning uh, mentality, which if you told him you had a great real estate 
investment opportunity. He'd tell you, don't do that. Real estate's dangerous and you got to fix toilets and pay. And we all know that's just not true, right? Mm -hmm. And that real estate has done much better than the stock market over time. But, but back to your, to your question is the, the, when you design the insurance contract, you can design it for death benefit or you can design it for cash. If you design it for cash, you will generate a much lower commission to the insurance agent. Mm -hmm. So one of the reasons that insurance agents don't design insurance contracts to be the most effective and efficient for infinite banking is because it reduces their commissions by more than half, sometimes mm -hmm. much more than half. And, but we, our business model is very simple. Everybody that's ever started with us always grows their system, right? So our clients are constantly growing and buying more and more policies to shove money into. On, and, and, and once you start to take this money out, it's tax-free. Mm -hmm. So you think of kind of like a Roth, right? Without the restrictions. Some people say like a Roth on steroids. I mean, I'm from the, you know, I'm 54. So I went through the eighties where everybody was on steroids. So I don't, I don't like, I mean, everybody <laughs> like in college football and, you know, and, and Brian Bosworth and stuff like that. But, but, uh, so, but if you think about, do I want to pay tax on the money going in or the money coming out? I want to pay tax on the money going in because taxes are on sale. The top bracket is 37%, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're a real estate investor, you have this little secret uh, superpower called depreciation, mm -hmm. right? That nobody, thank goodness, nobody in the general public really understands because it's a way to have a great tax situation, even if we're making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But I want to pay taxes now because I know what the tax rate is now. What is the tax rate going to be in 20, 30, 40 years when I take, when I take this money out? I have no idea. Is it going to be higher or lower? Well, I could make the argument that it's going to be higher, that it has to go up because of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and the interest on the debt. Mm -hmm. It has to go up. So I want to get my tax out of the way now. And then I want all that money tax-free when I take it out. Now, I don't sure. say take it out for retirement because the definition of retirement is to be taken out of service. Mm -hmm. And I think your listeners, if I'm one of your listeners in my 20s, I don't want to think about retiring at 65. I want to be financially independent by the time I'm 40 or 35. Mm -hmm. And I've got, I've seen plenty of people do it. It's doable. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I usually uh, keep these uh, to about the 30 minute mark. And I think we've kind of hit, hit that, but I always end with um, this last question. Is there a question I didn't ask that you wish I would have? A question that um, that you didn't ask that I wish you would have is, um, gosh, I can't think of any questions that you didn't ask, but I'll but I'll throw one out to the audience if that's okay. Yeah, you bet. Is or I'm going to give you a fact that you're going to find hard to believe. The average American pays thirty four and a half cents of every dollar they make in interest, not interest rate but volume of interest hmm. because of their mortgages and things like that, where 80, you know, in the first five years, 80% or more is going to the bank's benefit and, and, and 10 or 15 or 20 is going to their benefit. So let me ask the audience a question. 
if if you earn a dollar and then like in a mortgage over 30 years half that dollar is going to the bank's benefit Mm -hmm. for 30 years and half of it's going to your benefit so you earn a dollar and you got to give me half do you care what your interest rate is i hope you answered no because i'm just taking half your money Mm -hmm. if you want to learn how that to avoid that learn about infinite banking well i i can't imagine a better way to end this um and it's obvious that you have a lot to share so where do people find you i understand you have a podcast yourself and yep um breakaway wealth podcast um wealth building uh wealth building tips for the unconventional and rebellious and then also our, our website, which is just simply createtailwind.com. And the reason being, most people are fighting a financial headwind. We show you how to create a tailwind. Well, I can't thank you enough, Jim, for being on the show. It was great to chat with you. And I will make sure to include all of your uh, links and everything in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content, and if you've found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash housedudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at housedudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember... Massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is first come, first serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com investors. Tell a man what to do with his money, but if you ain't investing in property, then you're dumber than a dummy. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Well, buy property. That's my advice.